I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace at all of our campuses and network churches. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. We are overjoyed, overjoyed that you've decided to come and worship here with us. And I don't say that lightly. Honestly, know that we've been praying uh, that you specifically would come. And that's uh, my, my hope for us today, myself included, is that God would come and speak to us in a way that would meet us right where we are. That he just come and minister to us and encourage us and maybe even challenge us in some ways that need to be challenged Uh, Well, if you haven't been with us right now, we're in a series called Christmas at Embrace, which every time I say it is super original, right? Christmas at Embrace. Uh, But in this series, each week, we're looking at a different Christmas carol, and we're trying to understand what the words of these songs mean. But more than trying to understand the words, we're trying to understand what do they mean for you and me right now today? More than just kind of a cute history lesson, it's like, what do these words mean for you and and me and my life and your life, uh, and why should we continue to sing these songs? And so today's song is the classic, The Little Drummer Boy, and as a kid, I always thought this, this song was fun to sing. I also thought it was kind of strange to sing. Like, what in the world does parupa pum pum even mean? Talk about a deep question, right? But if I'm honest, one of the very first things that come to mind when I think about this song is Mary Catherine Gallagher singing with Whitney Houston. And so uh, check out this clip really quick here from Saturday Night Live. All right, from where the perfect Jennifer left off. All Well, to be clear, it was not planned, but I have somehow mentioned Whitney Houston two weeks in a row, and I may go for three next week. But again, today's song is The Little Drummer Boy, and there's actually some controversy around who wrote this song. Some people believe this person, and other people believe this, but most people believe that it was written back in 1941 by a lady named Catherine Davis from St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, Now, when it comes to this song in Christmas, though, uh, we've maybe heard the story of the wise men before, and so I just want to jump in and read the verses that we have about the wise men from our brother Matthew here. This is Matthew 2, starting in verse 9. Here is what we are told. It says, And the star they, the wise men, had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so again, we have this star that leads into this house, and there's Mary and baby Jesus, and then some wise men show up who maybe actually didn't technically show up for right around a year or two later. But anyways, it is Christmas, and then connecting in our song... There's this little drummer boy who, to be clear, is a fictional character, but this drummer boy, he shows up with his drum before Jesus, and it is there that he realizes that he is in the presence of this new 
born king. Quick side note, this week, uh, someone showed me a Facebook rant about the little drummer boy song, and they said, first off, why and how did this little boy find his way to a stable all by himself? Like, where were his parents? And then it said, and moms, can you imagine this punk kid showing up and he starts beating his drum set around your sleeping baby, you know? (laughs) You'd take the drum set and you'd shove it where the sun, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? But again, this is our song, and today we're going to keep things really, really simple, and I just want to look at one specific part, one phrase, one really line from this song, and here is the line. It says, our finest gifts we bring. Again, our finest gifts we bring. Now, as we just said, this little drummer boy, uh, he is a fictional character. He is not in the Bible. But one of the things that you will find all throughout the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, is this heart of bringing God our best. All throughout the scriptures, you'll find this heart to bring God your best best. I mean, in the Old Testament, when you went to the temple to have your sins forgiven once a year, you were commanded to bring your very best lamb. Not not one with imperfections, but your perfect lamb. And when the Israelites built the temple, they were told and they were commanded to bring their best, their very best craftsmen, their most skilled people using the very best products that they had. Again, over and over again, There's this heart, but more than this heart, there is this command to bring God your best. Going back to the song, it says, our finest gifts we bring. Well, this little boy stands before Jesus, and the wise men, they've just brought their gold and frankincense and some other expensive essential oils with the diffuser and the smoke thing. I'm a Christian, so I don't smoke anything. And so anyways, well, this little boy, he shows up with what is drum? his drum. And yet when he begins to play his drum, what happens? In the song, it says that Jesus smiles at him. Again, him playing his drums makes Jesus smile. Now, just to say it, this is such a simple song. And yet it's a song that is filled with truth because when it comes to bringing God our best, you see our God, he doesn't ask what someone else's has. And he doesn't, he's not looking for the gifts that someone else is holding on to. Instead, he is looking at us and the things inside of us and the things in our own hands. Well, we're quick to say, I don't have any gifts, right? And I don't have as awesome as gifts as the next person. And I don't even know if God could possibly use me. But Jesus says, yes, you do. And I'm actually interested in the gifts that someone else is holding on to. Instead, all I'm after is the gifts, the talents, the passions, everything that you have, the things that you are holding on to for you to bring your best, your finest gift to God and to trust him and to use it all for him. It's taking what we have and harnessing it, every last ounce of it, harnessing it for God and for others, just using it to point as many people as we possibly can to Jesus. It's like, what do we have? Use it for God. What does he put inside of you? Use it for him. What are you holding on to? What gifts, talents, passions? Use it all for God. As we just said, if you're anything like me, I'm quick to feel and really be paralyzed by the fact that I'm not nearly as gifted as others and I don't have what other people have and I feel totally unqualified. Most days completely inadequate to be used by God in any way, shape, or form. And yet again, God, he's just looking for us to bring our best, our finest gifts and the story of my own life has just been trusting God, trusting that somehow, some way, He can use anyone, anyone, and one step at a time, just stepping out of my own comfort zone and allowing Him to somehow, some way, use me. 
And so just a question for all of you, myself included, but a question for all of you, are you bringing God your best? Again, it's a simple question across campuses and network churches. Are you bringing God your best when it comes to your time? Are you bringing God your best time or are you bringing him your worst time? Are you bringing him the leftover time? I'm often convicted. I spend more time on Facebook and football than I do on Jesus. Anyone else have the tracker on your iPhone, which reminds you of how much you're addicted to your phone? It's terrifying. Are you bringing your time, your best time to God? More than your time, though, are you bringing him your money, your resources? This Christmas, are you spending a bunch of money on yourself and others who really don't need it? Or are you taking your resources and using as much as you possibly can for, for God and for the benefit of those around you? Again, our time, our, our resources, but even more than that, our talents, do you use them for, for your own success, just for yourself, for your own promotion, your own status? And with this, I just got to say, there's no better place to be when we simply begin to bring our best to God and allow him to use it. Honestly, I found it time and time again, there's no better place to be than when, when we simply begin to ask God to use us. This place, it is filled with joy and peace and contentment and goodness like that. I can't explain it. It almost becomes contagious. It's like the moment we begin to trust God with the little things, it's like, God, I just want to live life for you in all areas of my life. It becomes contagious. It's like, God, I've trusted you in this area and I've given you this. And because of it, I just want to give you more and more and more and more of what I have. Last week, we, we shared about um, finalizing the new space for our Sertoma campus. Well, earlier that week, I reached out to a lawyer last, last minute to, uh, in the church and just asked if he'd be willing to look at our lease again. It was a Friday afternoon, and I was like, there's no way he's going to be able to check this thing out before we sign it before the weekend. He immediately, within two minutes, responded and just said, I'll look at it right now. And I I wrote back and said, I'm sorry that I'm asking you to look at this on Friday afternoon. Like, you probably have a bunch of other things. He wrote back again within two minutes, and he just said, don't ever feel bad for asking. Like, I'm so glad that I can help in any way. And I thought this was powerful. This is what he wrote in the email. He said, I really enjoy, I really enjoy when my icky day job and ministry collide. That was powerful. Him and I, we talked recently, and he just said that more and more he's trying to use his job for God. Because in the past, he said, honestly, in the past, I chased money and I chased promotions and I chased all these goals and it never did anything for me. So a couple years ago, I just made this change. I'm just trying to use it as much as I possibly can for God. You see, whether we're a lawyer, a mechanic, a, a student, a nurse, a pastor, a teacher, whether we're 18 years old or 60, what if instead of seeing our job as our job, we began to see it as our mission field? What if instead of seeing our job, it's something we click in and clock out? What if we began to see it as our place of purpose? What if instead of seeing our job as a job, just kind of another thing we do until we get to retire sometime that we really hope comes soon? What if instead we began to see it as the place that God wanted to use us in ways that we can't even begin to imagine? Crazy, right? Instead of a job, it's like, no, that's my, my, that's my mission. That's where I'm called into ministry is right there as a banker. That's where I'm called to be used by God right there as a teacher. Again, what skills do you have? What, what money, per, passion, purpose, time, just talent inside you do you have? Bring your very best to God, your finest gift, and, and use it all. Use it all for him. And so again, God, he wants us to bring our best, but get this, God, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need our, our best. He's not like dependent on us. Like he doesn't need what we can offer. And at one point in the book of Acts, 
There's a guy named Paul. We've maybe heard Paul of Paul before. Paul says God is the one who made the world and everything in it. And this God, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs. Why? Because he has no needs. And so once more, God wants us to bring our best even though he doesn't need it. But even more than our best, he also, hear this, wants us to bring our worst as well. Again, God, he wants our best but he also wants our worst. Why? Because he wants us to bring every single part of who we are. Not just our best, not just our worst, but everything. He wants us to bring everything, our true selves. Not some fake version, but the real you, the real me, the unfiltered person that we are. He wants that person. He wants that person. Another quick question for each of you, myself included, do you know who you really are? Like, do you know the person that you are? I find myself 36 years old still struggling to answer that question. Do, I, do you know who you really are? The unfiltered version of who you are, that's the person that God wants. That's the person that God wants to meet with. The person who yells at their kids, bring that person to God. The person who's struggling with an addiction that no one even knows about, bring that person the person who's unhappy with life, the, the, the person who's got an ugly past and you've tried to move on from it, but it just keeps hounding you, bring that person. The person who's messed up their marriage time and time and time again, broken promise after broken promise after broken promise, that person, the person who is bitter, the person who's arrogant, the person who's jealous, who everyone, the person who's broken, the person who's addicted, Bring that person to God, the person that we really, really are. A few months back, I had a guy tell me, he says, Adam, I always love in messages when you talk about people struggling with addiction, and I love when you mention like people who are broken and just trying to get back on the right track in life. And he said, I, I, because I, I just love that you say that because it probably really connects with the new people who are coming. I just love that you say that because it probably connects really, really well for people who don't know Jesus and they're trying to get their things, things like back on track and stuff. And I said, yeah, um, for the people who don't know Jesus, sure, but I also love that we share it for people like you and me. And he got really quiet and I was like, yeah, again, for the first time, yes, but also for the person like myself that knows all the Bible answers and yet still has brokenness in their life. That's why I'm thumped. Yes, for the person that's coming for the very first time and doesn't know Jesus, but also for the person who's done this and they've done that and they've done all the Christian stuff and yet there's still a lot of pain and hurt and ugliness in their life. It's like, yeah, I'm so grateful that we say it for that first time, yes, but I'm also so thankful that we say it for you and me. And we just got quiet as we sat there. I'm so grateful. I'll just say it, being real and sharing the worst is often completely foreign in church, isn't it? Often we dress our lives up and everything looks great and perfect, but the truth is it's not. And get this, God isn't looking for the pretty Sunday version of ourselves. Thank God. Instead, again, he's looking for us for you, for me. And honestly, church should be the one place that we can come just as we are. It's like, I don't want to stay here, but this is exactly where I am. And I'm not proud of the sin in my life. I want God to change me, but this is the sin that I'm facing right now today and I'm trying to overcome. In our marriage, it's not perfect. We're a work in progress, but God, he's somehow, some way bringing this dead marriage back to life. 
Again, I'm not proud. I don't want to stay in this place. But truth be told, this is exactly where I am. And so Jesus, I'm coming and I'm meeting you right here. And I'm so grateful we got a God who comes to us in the midst of our crud, in the midst of our pain and our addiction. He's not looking for Sunday versions. He's looking for the real us. Thank you, Jesus. He's looking for the real us. He wants us to bring our best, but he also wants us to bring our worst. This past week, I reached out to a guy named Jeff, and I called him on the phone, and, and Jeff just began to share about the last few years of his life, and he shared about getting hurt while serving in the military and sitting in the hospital for a long time, and he, he told me about how him and his wife lost a baby. He shared about a month later after losing the baby, his wife got in this bad car accident. And he told me about losing his uncle, who growing up, his uncle was really his dad. His dad struggled with addiction, all kinds of crud. He said, like, in these two years, like, it's just like one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next. And Jeff just said, I, I was angry and bitter at God. I struggled with addiction and depression. I just kept asking, why are all these horrible things happening to us? Just like one thing after the next. He said, I just felt abandoned by God, and as a result, I pushed God out of every part of my life. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with church. Anybody would speak about Jesus. It's like, I've heard it all. I'm done. I'm just done. That God's abandoned me. Well, he ended up getting into this wounded soldier ranch. It's called West River Ranch, and Jeff just told me while him and his wife were there, they just began to pour out all these hard, ugly feelings to God. He said, we just cry before God. Just giving God all these questions like, why did we lose the baby? Why my uncle and not my dad? Why the accident? Why just all this stuff? He's like, I just gave all my bitterness and anger. And I just handed all the worst inside of me over to the Lord because I couldn't deal with it anymore. Well, after coming home for the, from the ranch, he ended up coming to our church. How awesome is it that we get to be a part of what God's doing in, in Jeff? And Jeff just said, this has been a place of healing for me, my family, just all of us. Kind of cool, though, this past October, Jeff stepped forward and decided to get baptized. And um, when we asked Jeff why he decided to get baptized, he just said, just as a way to show my love for God and how God carried me through the worst. Also, um, wonderful news, Jeff and his wife, Ashley, are currently expecting a little baby boy as well. And God, we just thank you for the, for the gifts you give us. One more time, God. He wants our best. He wants our worst. He wants every part of who we are. Everything. He wants it all. Not the Sunday version. He wants every part. Closing things up today, I, I just want to share at Christmas, one of the things we celebrate is the fact that God brought his best gift to us. It's one of the things we celebrate every single year is that God, he brought his finest gift to us, his name, Jesus. And hear this, because of God's best gift, we can be forgiven of our worst. Because of God's best gift, we, we no longer need to drag around our worst. Because of God's best gift, we no longer need to be defined by our worst. Because of God's best gift, he takes our worst, he washes it from us, he, re he removes us from its chains and its prison, and he offers to make us brand new again. 
I'm just guessing some of us are here and we grew up in the church. We grew up in the church and our family had tried to look perfect. And so we all looked like we were great and everything was wonderful even though it wasn't. And if there was any ugly parts in our family, it's like we don't talk about that. Like any ugly parts, dad made some mistakes. We don't mention that again. That's a part of our history and our family that we're never going to talk about. We're not going to speak about this, this divorce, this kid when it wasn't supposed to be born out of wedlock. We're not going to mention any of the ugly parts of, of, of our family. And we just never heard that, that was a lie. God wants our, our worst as well. Or growing up, maybe all we thought God wanted from us was jump through hoops. Just jump through hoops. Get baptized, get confirmed. Don't drive your mom crazy. Get to church every so often. We never knew that God wanted us. He wanted to know us. He wanted a relationship with us. He wanted every part of us. Or maybe we're here and we, we knew Jesus. We were walking with him at some point in the past. Maybe back in college we were in another lifetime ago. But at some point we walked away. Life just got really, really busy. Other things, just, just trying to juggle kids and work and everything. Just, we just walked away. Or maybe we, we made some mistakes. We have some regrets. There were some things we walked through that were pretty bad, pretty ugly. Pretty, the, we went through the worst and we just felt like because of it, we could no longer approach God. I don't know where you are today across campuses, but one more time, because of God's best gift, Jesus, he offers to take our worst from us. And what step do we need to take? The first step is to simply receive the gift. What step do we need to take for, for God to take our, our worst? We just need to receive Jesus in our lives. And this isn't just a one-time thing and then we go on as, with life as normal. Instead, it's a decision we make and it changes every single part of who we are from this day forward. Again, we, we, the only thing we need to do is just, just receive. So right now, across campuses, I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads if you would. And um, we're going to pray here in a moment. But if you're here today, and you're just like, I want to receive the gift of Jesus, no question. If that's you, just raise your hand for a moment. Again, across campus, just, just for a second, just put your hand up. If you're just like, I just want to receive Jesus, like I need Jesus in my life. Again, just place your arm in the, in the air just for a, for a moment. And you're like, God, I'm not even really sure what that means, but it's just like I can feel God working in me right now. I can just feel God stirring in my heart. It's just like, that's me. Raise your hand again just for a moment. Or maybe you're here and you're just like, I need to bring the worst to God. I've done church and I've prettied up my life and yet today I'm tired of carrying the worst. And so Jesus, I just give you the worst. If that's you and you're just like, I just need to give this addiction, I need to give you this pain, this divorce that I went through that was my fault or someone else. Like, I'm just bringing it to you, God. Again, if that's you, just raise your hand for a second. Or maybe you're here and it's like, I've given a lot of stuff to God, but I've actually never given him my best. Never given him my best. My career, my talent, my passion. Just never given him my best. I just want, again, just for just a quick second, just put it up and you can put it down. Lastly, if you're just here and you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, you're just like, I just need to commit or recommit my life to Jesus. I can't think of a better day than today to do so. Again, just raise your hand just for a second, quick second. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we come before you so, so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you're a God who comes to us. We celebrate the fact that you sent us Jesus each Christmas. That's what we celebrate. You meet us in our muck. You meet us in our weariness and our pain, God. So you meet us today. For those of us who rose or raised our hands across campuses, God, we invite you into our lives. We accept this gift, God. Would you come and make your home within us? Would you, would you forgive us of our sin as far as the east is from the west? Lord, today, starting today, would you put a new heart within us? Would you soften us, God? 
Would you change us, Lord? We long to become more and more like you. Jesus, today we give you our best. We give you our worst. We give you everything. We pray all these things. And all God's people said, amen.